live from Playwrights Pub at Chicago Dramatist. You're listening to Smallfish Radio Theater and Thespinarium. We're your hosts, Herzovi and Green. Sharing their talents with us again are our very own sisters of spectacular speechification, Miss Kitten von Stuben and Joy Torbjörnsen Coates. And also with us this evening's special guests, Eleanor Katz, Eric Hetman, and Linda Solitaire. Smallfish Radio Theater and Thespinarium is here to give voice to smaller varieties of artistic fish in the big pond. Varieties like playwright, poet, storyteller, and musician. Tonight, Smallfish Radio presents a live recording of their latest podcast, Atlas Interruptus, a collection of journeys without a map. Stories that take us from one place to the next, whether it be in our minds or our various vehicles. Today, you'll hear three short plays plus the next episode of The Adventures of Skater Girl, a musical journey, a story by Lisa Scott, and a song by yours truly. You know, it, it goes a little something like this. <laughs> really? Uh, We're doing this wait, now? Uh, Michael? Uh, uh, what? Great. <laughs> We'll get oh. to that. We'll get to that later. Well, for now, let's let's pull this show out of the driveway and onto the open road with our first play of the evening, Exit 34 by Jay Weintraub. An active explorer of the perilous voyage, Jay Weintraub is currently at work on plays that take place on the Titanic, the Hindenburg, and the CTA Red Line. <laughs> I'm getting off at the next exit. I don't think that's a good idea. I'm tired. I've got to stop somewhere. We haven't seen a single service station or rest stop along the highway for I don't know how long. I'm getting off at the next exit. That's not a good idea. Why do you keep saying that? Because we're in the middle of nowhere, and we're sure to be a lot worse off on some two-lane backcountry road than we are right here. Or this is a major highway. There's bound to be a diner or gas station somewhere nearby. As soon as we get off... Open this late? Even if we find one, which I doubt, will it even be open? Or a motel. At this point, I'd even be willing to stay overnight at a motel. I'm so damn tired. Sure. The Norman Bates hideaway. Here we come. <laughs> Look, I'm very tired. And we've got to go how much longer till we get to... I don't know. I don't know. You don't know. What kind of navigator are you anyway? You sure there's no more coffee? I'm sure there's no more coffee. We'll fill up the thermos at the next stop. There's bound to be a service plaza along here somewhere. Where? Have you seen any? But, but what's that up there? That's an exit, isn't it? I don't think so. I haven't seen any signs, and it's so small, like one of those runaway truck roads. Look, there's a guy pulling into the highway just ahead, so that's got to be an exit right afterwards. See, there's a sign. I'm getting off. Watch it. Give the guy room. He wants to merge. I'm giving him room, but I need that lane, too. Then speed up. Uh, he's speeding up, too. He's not letting me in. Watch it. Get to Damn it. We missed it. Did you catch the name? What name? The name of the exit! Oh, it was something something Farmer's Road. Did you get the number? The number? The number of the exit? I don't know. I think it was 34. 34? 
That was the one before, wasn't it? No. I don't think so. Maybe. I don't know. 34? Maybe that, uh, this one was 35 then. I don't know. What's the difference? I told you. The exit numbers are all on the map. So once we find them on the map, we'll know where we are and how far we still have to drive. And I told you I couldn't find them. 34, 33, 35, whatever. None of them are on these stupid maps. You don't know where to look. Of course I know where to look. You just can't depend on these damn Google Maps. I told you to rent a car with GPS. I don't like those things. And they're not worth the extra cost in my book. Print maps are very reliable. Right. So long as you can pinpoint where you are on them, you are here. You are here. Print maps never tell you that. Once we stop, I'll take a look at them, see where we are. But first, I've got to close my eyes for just a minute. Then get a cup of coffee, maybe a bite to eat. A little more sugar in my blood wouldn't hurt. There's sure to be something up ahead. If you could only find exit 34 or 35 on the map. I told you I can't. Besides, we might be off the map. What do you mean off the map? How could we be off the map? I printed out Route 98 almost end to end. Page, one page after the other. One page right after the other and all out of order. You didn't paginate them, did you? Maybe you should just pull over. Not here. There's hardly any shoulder at all. Just sheer rock and steep drops, and it's, it's too damn dark anyway. Oh, it's much too dangerous. There's sure to be something somewhere to stop up ahead. As long as we're on 98, everything should be just fine. It's just that... What? It's just that I'm not so sure we're still on 98. <laughs> How could that be? We've hardly ever been out of the middle lane, and we certainly haven't gone off on any side roads. But don't you remember that, that two-lane turnoff I pointed out? I'm pretty sure it was just another exit, but still... What turnoff? A while back, but when the sun was going down, just before it turned dark. Oh, yeah, I remember. The sun was right in my eyes. I, I couldn't read the sign, but that was just another exit, right? We never got off the main highway. Unless that was the main highway. But that was hours ago. <laughs> Look for road markers. 98 West. I've been looking, but it's so damn dark and I'm getting tired too. Oh, just don't fall asleep. For God's sakes, don't fall asleep. Keep talking. Or try the radio. I don't think it works. It hasn't picked up anything but static. See? Nothing. It'd probably only be some country and western station anyway. Well, even Merle Hacker would be some company at this point. How's the gas? Oh, still half a tank. Wow. It seems like it's been half a tank for forever. Well, some of these new rental compacts get terrific mileage. I'll fill her up anyway as soon as we stop. Speaking of which, look at that sign up ahead. Where? I, I don't see any sign. There, up ahead. It's tough to see, but... That's an Exxon logo, isn't it? I can't see it. That truck's in the way. I'm sure it's for a service plaza somewhere up ahead. Don't pass the truck. Pull in behind it so I can see the sign. Damn it, he's slowing down. Why is he slowing I down? I said pull in behind him. I can't. There's someone coming up fast on my tail. I've got to speed up. I'll pull in front. Don't. I, I won't be able to see the Damn. We passed it. I think... 
There was a country kitchen, too. I hate country kitchens. They make lousy coffee. And a Starbucks. I'm sure there was the green Starbucks logo, too. I didn't see anything. And the Starbucks, too. <laughs> In the meantime, you're sure we there, don't have any coffee left? How many times do I have to tell you? Yes, I'm sure. I took the last swallow myself. It was all grounds anyway. You should have left some of those grounds for me. You want me to stay up, too, don't you? Mm. To help you keep awake? No more candy bars? No more candy bars. I'm just so tired. You know, I almost fell asleep back there. And was it? It's a good thing you were awake. Well, I'm pretty tired, too. I didn't get much sleep last night and none on the plane. I've almost nodded off myself a couple of times. Well, don't, because I... That, that last time, I think I did. Because I need you to keep me awake. I did. I must have nodded off, or, or, or almost, because I had one of those weird waking dreams, like a hallucination. The car must have been shaking a bit because I thought, because I dreamed I was back home in our cellar that, that time when the tornado came through and everything came crashing down on top of us. And then I woke up just as you were swerving off the road. Yeah, you swerved right off the road, didn't you? And I woke up just in time, didn't I? Or was that part of the dream, too? What are you talking about? You don't remember going off the road, do you? No. Well, I'm sure. I think. I woke up just in time to stop you from driving completely off. Even if it only was a dream. So don't regret me the last cup of coffee. <laughs> What's that up ahead? Where? I think it's an exit sign. I think you're right. I'm going to get off. I don't think that's such a good idea. Why do you keep saying that? Because we're in the middle of nowhere and we're sure to be a lot better off on some two-lane backcountry road than we are right here. But you saw that service plaza sign. Maybe it was telling us there's a Starbucks right off the exit, right here. I didn't see any sign. But you do see that sign up there. Tell me what it says. Oh, someone wants to pass. He's got his brights on, and that guy's merging up ahead. Get the name of the exit, and we'll, we'll get off. We'll find out where we are. Everything will be just fine. Okay, okay. The, the name of the exit is... The name of the exit is... Under construction, exit closed. There's another sign. Get the number. The number? The number of the exit! The number of the exit! I can't see it. There's a top over get most of it. Get the number! I, th I think it's... It's exit 34. 34! That was the last one! No, it wasn't. I don't think so. Yes, it was. I'm sure of it. Well, then maybe this one was 35. 34? Or 35? I don't know. I don't know! Okay. We'll get this all straightened out at the next rest stop or the next service plaza. There's sure to be one right up ahead. That's what that Exxon sign was telling us, right? You saw the sign, didn't you? I didn't see any sign. <laughs> no more candy bars? No more candy bars. Try the radio.
I don't know. Sounds kind of zen-like, driving around in circles, around and around, waving at truckers and... Ooh, waving at truckers. I know my way around a truck, just like my daddy. Oh, from now on, we'll just call you Big Rig. Ah, those were the good old days. Open road, chewing on jerky... Washing it down with coffee. Mm, I love the smell of jerky in the morning. Hey, hey, that reminds me of this little song I wrote about jerky. Excuse me? Uh, what? Excuse, excuse me? What? Later. Oh. <laughs> right now, we go back into the car for a trip that goes somewhere with Lady Matilda by Lisa Scott. Lisa, Lisa Scott is a playwright, storyteller, public transport expert, and a ruthless exploiter of friends with cars. I haven't owned a car in 22 years. Lately, I have been fantasizing about buying one. And then I think back to the one car I ever owned. The year is 1990, the place South Florida. I'm 20 years old on a newspaper internship for fall quarter, most of the time as a reporter in West Palm Beach, and three weeks doing copy editing, that hideous task, in Miami. I've got something like $2,000 saved. I need a cheap car immediately. And I respond to an ad. The car is a 1981 Caprice Classic, <laughs> huge. Maroon, outside, inside, <laughs> dyed. The front passenger door is rusted through, missing a handle. The hood is dented, a headlight's gone. It's $400, my budget. I take her. She's my car, not my mom's, not a friend's. Lady Matilda, functioning. Ugly. Ugly licious. Now don't be so narrow-minded. Matilda. I start picturing her as a past her prime nightclub singer. Maroon hair piled high. Breasts flowing over a plunging dress. Voice roaring. Husky. Taking my hand to lead me into adulthood. I tell myself the car has... Character. Now that sweet pea is better than looks. Looks. That's just luck. Character. Now that takes courage. Day one. New headlight, oil pan, brake linings, three tires. I pull away worried $1,200 for the next 11 weeks with most going to rent. Within a mile, black smoke pours from the hood. Tears. Pull it together, baby. Stop crying. A woman doesn't cry over trivialities. Back at the service station, I learn what an oil cap is. They had forgotten to put it back on. Over the next few weeks, the horn stops working. 
the driver's side door handle falls off. Now I can't use either front door. I climb in and out a window. Oh, now that's style, baby. It's about time you acquired some style. I hit a pothole and the driver's side window is thrown out of alignment and from then on stuck halfway open. When it rains, the maroon dye from the upholstery spreads like blood on my clothes. It rains a lot in South Florida in autumn. Matilda starts dying at long stoplights. Let's turn the ignition. Come on, come on, Matilda, you can do it. She almost catches, sputtering. She doesn't. We're still stuck. Behind me, a long line of cars. I sit there. I'm crying again. I've never really driven as cars honk. Lord in heaven, keep trying. Just turn gently. There we go. I learned some tricks to keep us going. One of them is at red lights. If we can help it, don't stop. (laughs) If there's a car ahead, we stop as far as possible behind it and slowly roll forward, waiting for the light. It's the long full stop that kills her engine. What can I say, baby? I need me some momentum. Now, the copy editing portion of my internship requires I commute daily from the super cheap apartment I've rented north of West Palm Beach to Miami. Due to construction, it's two and one half hours, give or take, each way. There are two types of copy editors. Those who are joyous, because combing articles for errors is a game, and there are those who are worn down by stupid grammar, spelling, factual errors, eight hours a day, day after day, year after year. Those people are angry. (laughs) The copy editing chief is in that category. Her face engorges every time I arrive late, which happens often. To be on time is the first obligation of adulthood. If this continues, I will note it in your review. It doesn't matter. I'm unpaid. So poor, I'm skipping meals with a five-hour round-trip drive. She is part of my education. An adult doesn't make excuses. An adult plans. Oh, her. She probably ate this morning. (laughs) The next day, we leave earlier. In Miami, we hit a red light. There's maybe 15 feet between Matilda and the car at the light, and we roll and I pray. The warning of imminent failure is the shaking. Matilda is shaking. We got to go, honey, we got to go! And the light turns green. But the car ahead of us, a little Honda, doesn't move. Cars are pulling out behind us into the next lane, but we've rolled too close to the Honda. We can't get around. I look. There is no driver. Now who the f*** just stopped their car at a light? There's a gas station across the street and a woman there with a gas can. Honey, honey, I can't take much more. Slam the bitch. What? Slam the... I didn't have the brain to fill my gas tank, bitch. 
I bump the little Honda with my big Caprice Classic until we roll forward far enough I can pull out into the next lane. Uh, that takes a few bumps because Matilda doesn't maneuver well. The Honda is in the intersection. Oh, thank God! Move, girl! Move! I have a sense of the woman at the gas station hollering, but we drive away so fast. I feel so guilty, so exhilarated. <laughs> I know this was wrong, but... But I was dying, baby! And I'm still late. Oh, honey child, there's worse things. After being warned, the copy editing chief turns purple. She makes a note. This is too bad. I feel guilty about banging the Honda, and I feel some kind of happy for, I don't know, addressing the problem. In my head, I hear, It's all right, baby. You ain't gonna be a copy editor. Thank God. Nor a car owner. At the end of my internship, I post an ad to sell Matilda. The respondent collects Caprice Classics. There is indeed someone for everyone. <laughs> and now it's time for our meaningfully meaningless minute. A piece of odd information. That may or may not change your life. It could be true. It could be an urban legend. You can always follow up if you choose to. All we know is we heard it, or read it, and found it meaningful. As well as meaningless. Today's minute concerns Vikings. Mm, Vikings, discoverers, explorers, heathens. Mm. Heathens, like truck drivers. Scandinavian heathens. Same difference. No, not really. A Viking is essentially a pirate. And not only were Vikings known for their excellent hygiene, they did not wear horned helmets. Oh, yes, they did. No, they didn't. I say they did. You are incorrect. However, they did dye their hair blonde. To conform to their culture, Viking men would use a soap with lye content to bleach their hair. They did no such thing. And get this, the lye kept them free of certain ocean-going hair vermin, if you know what I mean. Oh. Uh, Vikings didn't even call themselves Vikings. What they were engaged in, which is Viking, the act of going raiding overseas, or going a Viking, well, it's really an abstract noun. Yawn. Tell, tell us more about the, the hair, you know, stuff like that. They skied for fun. Something else. Well, uh, how about they found North America first, but they didn't get along with the Native Americans, so they left? We all know that. What else? Oh, I know. Bluetooth technology is named after a 10th century king of Denmark, Harold Bluetooth, who united warring Scandinavian tribes of Vikings. Bluetooth does the same with warring technologies. Seriously? That's all you got? What about the heathen thing? And the kidnapping damsels? No, those horns had, the helmets had horns. I'm sure of it. Otherwise, why would there be horns on the helmets? Mm -hmm. I give up. Let's move on to the next play. 
featuring another band of Vikings, so to speak, Mates by Will Cooper. Will Cooper writes plays and poetry and lives in Chicago. In the foxhole of Christopher Columbus's flagship, the Santa Maria, four sailors have retired to rest after a long day at sea. Shut up, feather brain. This parrot will make me go stark raving before we early anchor in the Indies. Oh, shut up! Well, leave him be. He's a good bird. A damn sight better than you dog's bodies. And Captain Columbus favors him. So hold your tongue, mate. He kept me up half the bloody night. Now it's be dark again. I don't want no screeching. Stuff some oakum in your ears. Oh, when the jerky run out, I'll wager parrot has keen flavor. Uh-huh. No, no, that's a thought. Why do sailors keep parrots? What say you? Listen, as far as seagoing pets go, they seem unlikely. Why not cats? Cats eat rats, and every ship has those. What are you yapping about? And if provisions run low, as you say, cats have more meat on them than a parrot. Listen, listen, more meat on a cat. You listen. Roast of parrot has lovely lilt to it. More meat on a cat. Ah, ah. (laughs) And, And how about this, mates? Talking about running low. Do you think we'll soon be falling off the edge of the world? Avast. You belay that. The captain made himself clear about that kind of talk. I was just wondering, mate. It is on the captain's chart, the edge. It's drawn in stark black ink. Well, stop wondering. The world's a sphere, he say, round as uh, that iron five-pounder at your feet. I know what he says, but we've been out a week already with a strong breeze pushing us. You look at them charts. We're getting close, mate. Very close. Ah, stow it. Stow it! Stow it! It's just me thoughts, mate. Just me thoughts. The world's a sphere! The world's a sphere! So he says, but when you climb up to the crow's nest and gaze out, tell me you don't look flat. Flat as the deck you're standing on. I am right, ain't I? Them charts also reveals in fine letters that there be dragons at the edge of the world. Fire-breathing dragons. They lives in caves, so what they be doing far out to sea? Avast! You're scaring the parrot. Oh, scaring the parrot! <laughs> what if, what if the ship pitch pulled over the edge of the world? You'd find yourself plummeting toward the bow, but you'd never strike John bulkhead, and the Santa Maria would never reach the bottom because there'd be none. The ship and everything in it, even the parrot, would fall right down along with you, nose to nose. You'd be floating down and down till you withered and turned to dust in midair, like that moat hanging in the lantern light. Look, mate, you sound like a Jonah, you get me? And we don't need no bad luck on this voyage. Watch your tongue, mate. That's dangerous talk. You've vociferated the parrot fall, too. But he's a bird, mate. He can fly. 
I seen him. Mm. He can fly, he can fly. So he just take to his wings and head up yon companionway or the taffrail and fly till he soared back over the edge. Am I not right, guys? Are you all right, love? You call him love? You, you boys having at it? Sausage juggling? Blimey, it ain't been but a week. No! He's a nephew of mine. He's still getting his sea legs, eh, Billy boy? Uh-huh. But there's not hardly a swell. He's pretty green, figurative, and literal. He's a fair-skinned lad, too, ain't he? He looks younger than he looks, come to think. I ain't seen him shave, and he sprouts no beard. I, um, he was born, uh, without his, uh... Manly fittings. He, he don't have his, in short, his proper balls. But, what about his... Uh... Oh, he's got that. It was a blow to his poor mother, who always wanted a son. She got him, but he was half what she was expecting. <laughs> I'm taking these bleeding togs off now. This corset makes me poor breasts feel like they've been squeezed in a press. Here, give me a hand, husband. Your breast? Shh, keep it down. I, I, the captain don't know. I didn't care say nothing right away, see? Not till we was well put out, but this boy here, well, he's me wife. And for all intents and purposes, he's a female. Aye, aye, aye. A woman? You brought a woman aboard the ship? Help me take this corset off, damn ye. Uh, darling, don't you think that modesty, maybe, uh, perhaps... Now! It... Well, uh, uh, I, me love. There. Uh, How's that? Uh-huh. Oh, 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 that feels better. I'd add you look a sight better, too. You're a woman. A woman? Oh, oh. Are ye blind? Now we're wreck sure. Doomed a woman aboard the ship. That's worse than a Jonah. What have you done? You seen me. You know I know the ropes well as any of ye swabs. He taught me. You saw me climb up the foremast faster than any of ye. Aye, but you was a boy then. Now you're a woman and it's not possible. No, wait now. Now that puts me brain to work again. Oh. Uh, tell me, what's the name of this ship? You'll know the ship's name well as me, the Santa Maria. Aye, it's a lady's name. So, if having a lady aboard the ship were to be unlucky, why be all of them named for ladies? Riddle me that. Aye, if a ship's got a lady's name carved on her scutcheon or a female fine busted figurehead, ain't that like having a lady aboard? The truth is, a lot of bad fortune befalls ships that has no women aboard at all, nary a skirt. Yet they found her. Aye. Aye. You're pretty smart, ain't you, sailor? I've been noticing you, and I'd like to cut a your jib. You're a handsome bloke, too, aren't you? He's all right, he's all right. Well, now that the cat's out of the bag, me darling, let's lash our hammocks side by side. No need pretending no more. We'll make a blanket between us and these lads. I like the cut of your jib too, uh, Billy boy. You had me right fooled. I saw you sway when you walked and thought it was the ship's healing. 
When all the while it was your hips swiveling. Now, now, don't start no talk like that. It's going to be a long passage. Let's not get off on the wrong foot. Me wife and me will have what privacy we may. A woman aboard. Maybe that ain't so bad, come to think. You're a pretty lass. A fine lies. very pretty, yes. Ahoy from the nest! I'm seeing nothing! Nothing at all! We're going over! Uh-oh, we're doomed! We're doomed! Ah! Ah! He can fly! He can fly! Up through the companionway or the top rail! Ah! He can fly! He can fly! Ah! Ah! Or the edge! Or the edge! Uh, oh, there be dragons. Talk about man overboard. Quite right. Next up, seems like quit chewing on the parrot. Quite right. Next up, a first here at Small Fish. A musical journey. Here comes the bride. Book, music, and lyrics by Tom Weber. Tom Weber sits in his Evanston office and devises ways not to make money. The most successful ones are in, involve writing plays and songs. When that storm delayed my flight, June, I thought I'd die. What storm? Yesterday, when I was due to arrive. The storm. I haven't been out. Not once? I guess not, not since I learned. Four days. In the four days since you've known, you haven't... I haven't even put my shoes on. He's the one who's going. Now, just to show it's over, although it's been over since he broke our vows, he will leave this house. Then he'll know what a price we pay. For the vows we made Too bad I couldn't get you faster When you're loving lord and masters Just another cheating bastard Then he'll know what a point. 
You must be just so angry. Angry? When Jim would say, how do you feel? Or how was your day? It sounded so real. And I never thought twice, and never did I imagine how deep you can lie. I'd close my eyes, preparing for bliss, and never got wise, not once to his kiss. And it's not from his tales as tall as the sky that I learned how deep you can lie. Her name is Joy. She has a little boy with big blue eyes, meaning he's some other guy's. The boy likes Jim, he misses him When Jim's home with me Even his soul sits on a shelf His lies aren't for me, they're just for himself Now he's lost and alone and starting to cry I see just how deep you can lie He's gone down a bottomless slide. Are you going to get revenge? Revenge? some space. Thank you. I'm just going to take a walk. Call me if you need me. Okay. How hard he tried to be far away. I can only say in my eyes he died It was more like a slow suicide Now I have night And a moonless sky From my nest of love 
pretty soon Oh, I'm taking flight Yes, I know this is right Somewhere away Where love won't find me Somewhere away From our home Where I was a bride Where we made love And where we laughed and cried I'll leave it all inside Once he's alone in his head he'll stay Once I've gone away We won't even talk on the phone Here I go on my own I'll fly alone Out on Out. Oh God, I can't go out. I have no shoes on. Where the hell are my shoes? I can't find my shoes. I can't go out the door with no shoes on. Oh, Jesus, they must be here someplace. Okay, so I have no shoes. What else do I have left to lose? I'll do what I can do, yes. I'll go out that door, yes, I'll go through. Out for good. So my feet are bare, I'm in the street now, I don't care. I've done what I can do, yes, I've gone out the door now, I've gone Great work. Let's hear it again for our very first musical. And now on to another first. Ladies, take it away. Welcome to our first installment of the Holy Mackerel School of Etiquette. Well, you write our sisters Joy and Kitten, and we help you navigate your stickiest of social situations politely and permanently. Our first letter comes from Chicago, and it reads, Dear Miss Mackerel, what does one do about creeps who aren't respectful when listening to electronic devices in public? 
You see, I'm a musician, and alas, I'm required to take public transportation. It never fails. A person gets on with their headphones turned up loudly, and suddenly the whole train car sounds like a rock concert, but in miniature and with really bad speakers. <laughs> How can they ignore the signs posted all over the train cars? Signed, Mutilated Eardrums in Chicago. Well, poor Mutilated Eardrums. One person's symphony is another's cacophony, that is certain. First, wear your running shoes. Then, get a set of bagpipes. Take these bagpipes with you wherever your eardrums might be threatened by such cacophony. Should a perpetrator crank up those headphones to make an annoying sound, deploy countermeasures by creating your own. Your rendition of Scotland the Brave, repeatedly with feeling, should do it. <laughs> doesn't work or those bagpipes should prove unwieldy, your alternative is to carry this small but handy whistle. Each time you run across one of those pesky perpetrators, just <whistles> right in his ear. <laughs> and then run. <laughs> of course. Or as a last resort, tear the blasted earbuds out of his ear, put them under the heel of your shoe or boot and crush. And again, run. Thank you, and if you have a question to send to our Miss Mackerels, email them to holymackerel at smallfishradio.com. Our next journey of the evening, My Yeti Dreams by Lisa Dillman. Lisa Dillman is a nonfiction writer from Chicago, renowned for her autobiographical accounts of being brought up by and eventually breaking away from a colony of honey badgers. My Yeti Dreams is a true story. I was never scared in the beginning. Not even that first moment when I found him perched on the side of my dumpster, going through my garbage with greedy fingers. He turned to me, and there was something so frank in his expression. A wildness, yes, but it was more than that. And then he got spooked and slunk off down the alley. That night, I left a trail of Pringles from the dumpster to my back porch. In the morning, every chip was gone, and there was a big... A very big handprint on my back door. Oh, my Yeti. He had a way about him. Three days later, he moved in. 
two in the morning, he scavenges my cupboards, rooting and snuffling in the pantry, prying the tops off all the Tupperware, the sound of chugging liquids. Cellophane peeling away and fingers digging up globs of soft meat. Hot, eager breath. He hunches in the spill of light from the open fridge door. Milk cascades down his shaggy chin and neck. Crumbles of half-masticated Pop-Tart and turkey sausage avalanche over his matted chest. What can I say? I deny him nothing. To watch him sate himself is to feel the frenzy of it. We make Sasquatch love right there on the linoleum. I'm naked. He's covered in dark hair, thick as shag carpet. We rot till we become a single, shuddering beast. And this is every night. He sleeps and dreams of primordial forests. Through the grunts and sighs of his athletic slumber, I can imagine the unpolluted colors of his dreamscape, and they are spectacular. He stands knee-deep in a fast-flowing river and catches a fish with his bare hands, slaps it against a rock, then tears at the flesh with his teeth. Scents on the air tell him where to go and when. He hurdles down pristine, shaded valleys. Uh, scales, treacherous, jagged hills, stalked by men with guns and video cameras. Returning at last to a cave where he drops with a thud onto a bed of pine needles. Heart pounding, eyes cunning and watchful. That's where he belongs. And yet... We settle into a quiet life, my skunk ape and I. While I'm at work, he watches random pictures flutter across the television screen. Indulges himself with an endless array of snacks. Sleeps, dreams. He watches me when I come home. Sniffs me all over to find out about my day. The innocence of his empathy is a drug to me. He's learned that he can please me, and he does. I arrive home one evening to find him in a state of complete agitation. His simian face is pulled into an expression I can't recognize as he brings me a dog-eared mail order catalog. I don't understand. On page 14, a slouching male model smirks directly into the camera. On his head, a sleek, Weimaraner-colored fedora, cocked ever so slightly to one side. 
No clothes of any kind. No shaving, no arguing, no logic. <laughs> and ever since that night, he's always looking out the window. Mm -hmm. Our nocturnal romps become formulaic. Mm -hmm. The homecoming sniffs a mere habit. Instinct, yes, instinct tells him to retreat. So he does, more and more. And that's when I get scared. In the end, I'll buy him that hat. And a cashmere sweater, silky pajamas, a few pairs of elegantly draped pants. I'll pick him out a pair of buttery calfskin gloves. Softness will touch him everywhere. We'll walk arm in arm down clean streets and sit in outdoor cafes. My Yeti will learn to drink espresso and cosmopolitans to laugh at my jokes and touch my arm and murmur so only I can hear. <laughs> but every now and then, lying in the dark, he'll dream of crashing through primitive, tilted landscapes. We both will, with uncountable dangers right behind and the pounding in our blood driving us always and forever onward. Yeti does remind me of a trucker I once knew and the smell of jerky in the morning. I do love it. You do, do you? Oh, yeah. Speaking of jerky in the morning, here's our good friend Green with an original song, I-80. Take it away. How y'all doing out there? You having a good time? Interstate 80 is my playground Second longest highway in the land I've been through every major city From California to New Jersey 342 truck stops, man, oh man I like turkey jerky in the morning a hard-boiled egg and a cup of java to go Well, I get my rig ready And I hitch up the next load Eighteen wheels travel in the open road Forty-six thousand pounds of payload 
Just one single coil of galvanized steel Well, if you see me coming on your tail Do yourself a favor, please, Bill I'm an earthbound rocket on 18 wheels I like turkey jerky in the morning A hard-boiled egg and a cup of java to go Well, I get my rig ready and I hitch up the next load Eighteen wheels travel in the open road Well, the life of a long-haul trucker isn't glamorous We spend most of our life sitting behind a wheel Fighting traffic and the weather Pushing hard to make our deadlines It's a hell of a lot to do to make a dime But I like turkey jerky In the morning A hard-boiled egg And a cup of java to go Well, I get my rig ready and I hitch up the next load. Eighteen wheels travel in the open road. Eighteen wheels travel in the open road. Yeah. See, wasn't that worth waiting for? No, I do love to travel the open road in a big rig, but... But what? Not a fan of hard-boiled eggs. Sorry, Charlie. And now we're on to the next episode of The Adventures of Skater Girl. The journey of our heroine, who was born with a very old heart in her very young body. And strives to keep her heart in the hearts of others beating by adding items to her bucket list. In our last episode, while Skater Girl and the Carp began their journey to find the next item on her list, wings for a fish. The old man decided to add a new heart for Skater Girl to his list. While searching for the wings for a fish, Skater Girl and the Carp came upon an angry inchworm who bit Skater Girl, then jumped from the tree they were sitting in. But not before noticing a young man standing on a ledge. So, while the grandma and the old man continue to dance under the light of the moon, and the inchworm plans his next treacherous move, we join Skater Girl at the foot of a skyscraper. On the ledge, a handsome young man, in his hand, Something is ticking. At the foot of the skyscraper, Skater Girl and the carp, who she has learned is called Q, shake their heads at how tall the building is. And there on the ledge, wavers a handsome young man waiting to jump, or fall as the case may be. Looks like storm coming. See, big black cloud. Jump on my back and we'll climb. But your very old heart that lot of work. True, but my heart is feeling quite young at the prospect of saving that handsome young man. Besides, you have more to worry about. You're a fish out of water. I have been meaning to ask you, 
How come you can breathe without water? Long story. It looks like a long climb. So, I strapped on my skates because, after all, skates make excellent grappling hooks. <laughs> Go on then, talk as I climb, please. One day, I was jumping as carp do, and suddenly, I jump onto dry land and cannot jump back in water. Soon I figure I go to great school in sky, when, alas, giant grizzly bear pick me up and throw me back in water. Oh. Then he chased me. I jump on land again. This repeat three more times. Bear catch, I jump. Bear catch, I jump, wondering all time, wondering all time which better way to die, jaws of bear or dry land. And finally I land in bush and bear not find. This make him have sadness and me even more sadness. Soon gills stop. All stop. Hang on, wind coming. Oh my, hang on tight, very windy, hang on. My list, the wind took my list. We write new one, yes? Yes, we'll write a new one. Remember? Find wings for fish and save boy on ledge. You want to stop climbing? Your heart too tired. Yes, my heart is most certainly slowing. Talk me out of stopping. If I stop, I, I might as well just slip. Young man on ledge look close to edge. He might fall without you to save him. Go on. You want to hear end of story about bear? You must climb. Thank you. What happened next when, when your gills stopped? Slowly, I wake up. Figure I in big school in sky, but no, still in bush. Gills bellow. <laughs> I can breathe both on land and in sea. And I recall ancient ancestors tell of great migration through radioactive waste and of mutation. <laughs> and learn sometimes mutation a gift. If only I were so lucky, I, I would get on just fine with a very old heart. <sighs> Look, we're here. Lucky thing, my poor heart is very tired. Sound like handsome boy on ledge has metronome. It is a metronome. Look at that. This metronome keep your heart in time. Well, what do you know? He is the handsomest thing I have ever seen. I think he's asleep. Would be nice for you to have this metronome. You could just borrow it. Very bad for him to fall with it and have it go to waste. Well, you might have a point, but that would be stealing. He seem handsome, like Prince. You damsel in distress, and Prince would never mind if damsel borrow metronome, right? Go on, take it. Careful, careful! Hands off my metronome. Sorry. Are we asleep or awake? Awake? Was that a question, or an answer, or both? Well, it's got to be one or the other, hasn't it? I mean, at some point, we must decide whether we're asleep or awake and move on with where we are, or are not. What are those skates for? 
They guide me on my mission. What mission is that? The mission to get from the first nine o'clock to the next every day. Ah, I have very few nine o'clocks left, therefore be gone. What for? My life is about to end. Wouldn't want to take you down with me, so to speak. You look to be the age where things should be beginning, if you don't mind my saying so. One would think. But as my most unfortunate luck is dictating, it's bound to be over soon. Luck have big mouth. Quite. There's been an unfortunate but inevitable stroke of luck, which has placed me on this ledge quite against my wishes. Luck and inevitable not belong in same sentence. The end, my end, all ends are inevitable. Mine is simply here unluckily soon, so please... Stand clear so you don't get hurt. In that case, may I have that metronome? It seems to be in perfectly good condition, and I think it could solve some problems for me. What kind of problems? Well, I was born with a very old heart, and that metronome might be just the thing to help mine keep time. I don't think so. Now, please. Well, why not, if you're not going to use it? Because I haven't fallen yet. If I, give you my, if I give my metronome to you, how will I keep time for myself? So you aren't planning to jump? No, I'm waiting to fall. There's a difference, you know. I no understand. What kind of bad luck? I've lost my keys. You don't have a spare set? They aren't just any keys. 88 to be precise. Without them, I cannot play. Therefore, I would simply fall and smash to bits. Sound most unpleasant. Yes. They tell me on the bright side, the more bits I smash into, the more pieces I leave behind for everyone to share. Like a piñata, but without candy. Huh. You're funny, piñata. What's your name? You can call me Hopeless, because I am. Oh, no. Not that wind again. It should have knocked me off the ledge. Stand clear. Pleasure meeting you. Bon voyage, then. No! Hang on! Take my hand. Hurry. Don't fall. I don't even know your name. Whoa, it's Johan! And as Johan begin to fall off ledge in the wind, and as he is slipping and slipping down that slope up done, the same slope Skater Girl slipped down in first episode, Skater Girl reach down and grab him and climb back up with Johan on her back. <sighs> Thank you for catching me. Don't mention it. It wouldn't do any good, though. That's, that sound... My heart beating slower and slower. If you would start that metronome again. I suppose. Now, young man, about keys. It would seem this piano is key to your heart, therefore music key to heart. So no need other 88 keys, only need key that is music. Doesn't work that way. I'm pretty close to paralyzed without the keys. Might as well pull the plug if I don't find them. Hang on, here comes that wind again. As wind blow and he get ready to fall once more, Skater Girl kisses him. Lightning bolt. Why did you do that? You don't just kiss people when they're about to lose their grip, it really spoils the mood. Now I'm confused. She kisses him again. And her heart laughed, for she knew right then and there that this listless boy with no keys was placed on this ledge to share his life with her.
Will you please cease distracting me? So, you've lost your keys. Where was the last place you saw them? Attached to the piano, with an inchworm crawling across them. Ha! Ha! We just met an inchworm. With very big mouth. He bit me, see? Oh my, big teeth marks. You should wash. He bit me, here, see? Oh my, these tiny teeth marks, look at them now, they're growing. They seem to spread. Does not look good. You should wash too. I'll add it to my list. Perhaps Inchworm put your 88 keys in pockets and take off. Inchworms don't have pockets. (laughs) (laughs) Where you think they hide all that thread? Come now, what if we could find Inchworm? Get your keys. How about I add your keys to our list, right next to find the wings for a fish? List? What are you talking about? And we tell the listless drama man here all things you already know that have come to pass about the list and the grandma and the old man and slipping down the slope of the list being done and that even ants and worms got list. List? Bah! I've no such list and never will. Pity. What pity? If you did have a list, you could add stealing a kiss from me, but only if you hang on a little longer. I could? Yep. Why would you do such a thing? You don't even know me. And what Skater Girl not say is how she hope once she find keys, he will give her metronome. And she also know that somehow this young man keep her heart beating. And so long as he by her side, she need not worry. Instead, she say, Because you are the most handsome young man I've ever seen. So he stole that kiss. And our fates? We're sealed, at least for the moment. And Skater Girl, metronome keeping time for her heart, climb down side of building with carp and handsome young man on her back, trying to beat the black cloud that was upon them, which had now grown arms as long as the shadows of trees in this setting sun. And the grandma and the old man continue to dance under the light of the moon. As the angry inchworm hovered over grandma's head. Shame on her, having an ulterior motive about his metronome. Oh, she's more scared than she lets on, is all. Well, you can hear the first two episodes of The Adventures of Skater Girl on our website or iTunes. And later this summer, you can find this podcast free on iTunes. Just look for Small Fish Radio Theater and Thespinarium. Small Fish Radio Theater, giving voice to small fish in the big pond. If you're a small fish, check out our submissions page. And do write something for us. Tonight's program has featured the talents of Kat Dean, Michael Herzogi, George Orbjornson Coates, Eleanor Katz, Eric Pittman, Lisa Scott, Tom Weber, Linda Solitaire, and our very first Thespinarian in training, Aeneas Hempel. And, and my-
Michael John Kelly. Directing and sound design by Trina Kikasin. Small Fish Radio would like to thank Playwrights Pub, Chicago Dramatists, and Wendy Schmidt for being the first listener to write to Miss Mackerel. Special thanks to our friends at Quicker Printers in Edgewater and to Chicagoland Methodist Senior Services for providing us with rehearsal space. Small Fish Radio Theater is produced by Michael John Kelly and Trina Kikasin. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. Thank you.